together, the Ag Center, the Farm Bureau, and LDAF are the three legs of the stool that work in concert uh, to help uh, shape the future of the agricultural industry in the state. And we're doing it for the good people of Louisiana at the local level. Welcome to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm Carl Wiggers, and today we have a great conversation with the Vice President of Agriculture at LSU, Dr. Matt Lee. He joins Avery Davidson and Don Molino from the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network to discuss all things Ag Center, College of Agriculture, and even the youth programs that are bringing up the next generation of ag leaders in Louisiana. We hope you enjoy this conversation here on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. It's so much fun being on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast with great people, and I'm specifically talking about one and not the other, but I'll introduce the other first. Don Molino from the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network is with us today. Hi, Don. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm better now that you're here, but you know know who's going to make this podcast really interesting? I'm guessing the Vice President of Agriculture at LSU. That would be him. That would be Matt Lee, Dr. Matt Lee, the Vice President of Agriculture and the Dean of the College of Agriculture. Matt, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Avery and Don. It's good to see you all again. Well, we know you. We have you come by the Farm Bureau office pretty often to talk to our board, but some of our listeners might not know you. So who's your mom and them? Where are you from? So I was originally born and raised in Nebraska uh, in a small town called Columbus, Nebraska, which is on the east side of the state. Grew up uh, hunting. Uh, My dad was a uh, tournament bass fisherman. So we spent a lot of time in outdoor activities with our dogs and all that. Um, About the age of 12, we moved to upstate New York. And I spent about 10 years up there as uh, um, a high schooler and and my first uh, run at college. And then in the early 90s, I had the opportunity to come down to Louisiana to go to graduate school. To God's country. Yeah, I understand. To God's country. And I'll be honest with you, I fell in love. So, uh, and I fell in love with the state and the culture and the people of Louisiana. So, um, with the exception of um, a five-year stint at Mississippi State University, where I served on the faculty for a little while. Um, after that, I got my priorities straight and came back to LSU. So I'm an LSU grad. Um, I've been back in Louisiana since uh, 2004 at LSU in a variety of roles. Um, my, uh, um, my, my life here has been absolutely wonderful. I have a great wife, great family, and uh, we just love Louisiana. Well, prior to coming to the College of Agriculture and becoming vice president of agriculture, you were the provost. How, what were your thoughts whenever, uh, you know, President Tate came and said, hey, I think you, you'd fit in well here in agriculture? So when he gave me the opportunity to consider uh, coming to the Ag Center and the college, um, at first I was very, very excited because... Um, I had a longstanding relationship with the leadership of, of the Ag Center and the college. I, I knew what they were doing uh, quite well due to my prior position. And after being excited, I got really nervous <laughs> because my background is not as an agronomist. Uh, my background is not uh, in farming or any of the core activities that support it. Uh, but once I thought about it a little bit more, the third phase was, again, um, optimism that if I just came in and was my authentic self, with the constituents of the Ag Center and the College of Agriculture and just told them 
look, I'm not going to try to uh, swindle you and make you believe I'm an agronomist or a, a farmer, but what I am what I am is an executive level administrator who is comfortable running a hundred million dollar research enterprise, who is comfortable helping administer a statewide network of cooperative extension activities that helps enhance the quality of life at the local level around the state. And I just asked for a little um, forgiveness and a little bit of time. And uh, I think we've found that we've developed some good rapport, both internally at the Ag Center and externally with uh, constituents around the state. And right now, I'm just very excited about it. This is definitely the most fun job I've ever had in my life. It's endlessly fascinating. The people are just absolutely wonderful, and I'm just delighted to be here. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the research and the like uh, in a little bit, but you talked about having fun. There are a lot of fun programs that the LSU Ag Center is involved in. We're coming right off of National 4-H Week. And tell me about some of the youth programs, including 4-H and FFA, that the LSU Ag Center is involved in, and how important is that to the organization? So, yes. So, LSU Ag Center oversees both 4-H and Future Farmers of America, two uh, of the largest and most well-known uh, youth development and what I call leadership development programs uh, in the country. Um, the students that are enrolled in, in those programs, 100% are the next generation of leadership for our state. Um, I see it when I talk with our existing legislators and ask how many of them were involved in these activities as the youth and almost to a person. They say that they were a 4-H'er when they were young or they were in FFA. Um, the beauty of these programs is that they mix together um, a variety of uh, interesting activities. Sometimes they focus on science and technology. Sometimes they focus on natural resource stewardship. Sometimes they focus on citizenship and uh, contributing back at the local level. Um, FFA also um, is involved in, um, a, they do a lot of uh, public speaking development. And those young people, when they come and speak at our events, my standing rule is they have to go after me because if they go before me, they make me look bad. Um, so uh, those are really great. And as you know, um, we have nationally eminent programs. I mean, our students win national competitions all the time. We've won three of the last four national competitions in shooting sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we are among the very best in the country there on a sustained basis. We have other types of competitions that we engage in. Uh, that they are among the best as well. So, um, you know, it's everything from four-wheeler safety uh, to um, um, science programs that give them an appreciation for the importance of natural resource stewardship uh, and how that relates to agricultural production. And I know Don and I were talking earlier, Don, you, you, we've been working as farm broadcasters to try and get people to care about agriculture for a long time. Obviously, these youth programs, I'm sure, play a big role in getting families to care about what farmers and ranchers do. Well, of course, they, they have to. It's just kind of one follows the other. But is there the stigma still attached to 4-H and FFA like there was when I was growing up back in the 50s and 60s? Because it was, uh, oh, you're an FFA. Well, you're you know, worse than a nerd. But it's not that way anymore, is it? I don't think it is. I think there's tremendous cross-fertilization. There's a lot of young people that are actually involved in both, one. Um, two, uh, there were other alternative youth development programs that were prominent at prior um, times in our history, Boy Scouts of America, America being one of them. 
Um, but I think we've seen an ascendance <clears throat> of 4-H and FFA, and I don't think that there is stigma associated with it. These are some of our brightest and finest young men and women. Um, they participate in really important activities, whether it's uh, cattle shows mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, um, um, leadership development skills. So I don't think I think that era is 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 kind of over, um, and there's um, just a tremendous admiration and respect uh, for those that are engaged in these activities, particularly in our state. We're an agricultural state. Yeah, it, it's cool to be an FFA or 4-H. I think it is. Oh, and yeah. they've got boss uniforms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the blue jackets. I can tell you now, though, nerd beyond nerd was me. If you look at my old Facebook photos from, uh, you know, way back whenever I was actually in high school. But uh, let's go back to these programs, FFA and 4-H. How does I, I know for us at Farm Bureau, we kind of look at those as our farm team. Uh, you know, that is where our future leaders are coming from. Is that also where the College of Agriculture can begin its recruitment and trying to get students involved in ag majors? So we absolutely do. We use that as a forum to uh, get them thinking forward 5, 10, 15 years uh, about where they're going to be and how they can ultimately see a pathway into the College of Agriculture. Um, to that, to that end, I, I actively work with enrollment management at LSU to make sure that we are actively and intentionally um, recruiting 4-Hers uh, and FFAers in 10th grade, 11th grade, and getting them to see that vision uh, that they can come here. Um, I will be perfectly honest. When I first got here and met um, with the leadership of those two groups, and I went around the room and asked how many of them uh, were intending to come to LSU. It was not as many as I would have expected. And I, that's when I just resolved at that time, I want to give them the vision to come mm -hmm. to LSU. Um, and so we can give them the skills that they need to bring back to their local communities, to contribute to their local home communities, go back to where their family has been situated and help drive the next generation of economic development at the local level. You can see that almost every day in the agriculture community. Uh, kids who will work on the farm seven days a week, and at night they're going to 4-H and FFA meetings, and it's just a natural part of life. It's something that they enjoy doing, and it's, it's you know, like reading a book to them. It's just, it's, it's fun. Yeah. So one of our biggest challenges for rural communities um, nationwide is out-migration from rural communities. Mm -hmm. In Louisiana, our problem is actually a little bit different. So demographers at LSU have been studying this. And one of the things that they've discovered is while we do have some out-migration, meaning people are moving from rural to urban areas, our bigger problem is actually that we're in a period of what's called natural decrease, which means fewer people are being born than are dying. Mm -hmm. So it is more imperative than ever um, that we ensure that we are giving young people the vision to come get an education and get a skill set and go back to their to their rural communities in Louisiana. And I know some of that also falls in the realm of research. I mean, people are going to pursue their education at a place that is going to be on the forefront 
of whatever field they're going into. What kind of focus have you been putting on research, on development there at the Ag Center and then also within the College of Ag? So uh, we as a, you know, the Ag Center is a science and engineering platform that develops innovations to help the agricultural industry be more profitable and productive. And then we translate that science out to producers and users so that they can uh, do a better job in the work uh, that they do. We have established um, seven or eight focal research areas, and they, they're everything from uh, soil, land, and water management to precision agriculture, uh, to food animal management, um, to um, nutrition and food safety and biofuels and bioprocessing. So we have a diverse array of deep areas of expertise of innovation. Um, we have overlap between those who are doing the research and those who are teaching because most faculty do both. And so the students that are coming into the college are getting access and being taught by these faculty members who are doing really innovative and cutting edge research. And one of the things that the students routinely tell me is they didn't know how cool some of the innovations were, especially with precision agriculture. And, uh, you know, we're well beyond um, what is kind of now traditional precision agriculture in terms of variable rate fertilizer application and those sorts of things. And now we're into the area of high throughput phenotyping and expediting the genetic selection process to develop new varieties of rice or sugar cane or sweet potatoes or what have you. So this is like really, really heavy science oriented stuff. And we use our our youth development programs to get them interested in science at an early age. So when we capture their attention in a college, we then give them even more excitement about how they can then go on and do high-tech high careers in the agricultural space. And the money that's invested in this research can come back fivefold, sevenfold. I mean, we already see what the LSU Ag Center's done there with Clearfield rice varieties, some of the wheat varieties that are out there and, and patented and on the market. It actually returns money to the university. Is that the goal of, of all of this? And I mean, we talked before we started recording a little bit about sugarcane, how important the sugarcane research is there over there in St. Gabriel. So the economic impact of the research enterprise is truly extraordinary. And it's it's almost unparalleled in, in anything you see. And I can give you some examples. So um, uh, last year, we brought in our faculty uh, were awarded about $46 million in grants. That's a lot of money. Um, that will translate um, in terms of when it's spent and its value add uh, of anywhere from $150 million to probably five or $600 million. The estimates vary, but it's always anywhere between three to one to eight to one dollar return on, on these uh, investments. That's just kind of like the, the basic spending the hiring of the research associates and postdoctoral researchers and that kind of thing that come into play. Then you get the longer-term intellectual property benefits of it. Um, you mentioned, for example, that we developed new varieties of rice. The Clearfield technology is one of the most well-known. And then we license that out to seed distributors and, and growers and so forth, which generates royalty income, which we then reinvest back into the research enterprise. Uh, but we also have examples, for example, of um, how varietal development 
makes a local economic impact. And so sugarcane is one of the things we're best known for. We've developed over the years about 100 different varieties of sugarcane. Louisiana is currently the number one cane sugar producing state in the country. 70% of the sugarcane grown in Louisiana are LSU developed varieties. And the overall um, um, value of that crop last year, I think, was about $1.3 billion. And so wow. 900 million of that, or 70%, um, is really attributable to LSU varieties. And that's one crop, one year at the local level, driving local economic stability. That's a good investment. That's huge. That means so much to our, not not just our rural communities, but our urban areas too. I mean, when you think about where our sugar ends up being processed down in Chalmette over there at uh, Domino, but I know, Don, you you almost on a weekly basis speak with folks who are doing this research, who are looking at, at the economic impact, and I'm talking specifically about Michael Diliberto. Um, what, I guess, what do you have you seen in your farm broadcasting career as being the impact and the the I guess the where, the benefit for the farmers to have this at their at their disposal? I hate to use this phrase, but it's it's a godsend um, because they know if let's say Michael Deliberto or some other researcher at LSU tells him, you know. This will work and this won't work. They know they're not, you know, pulling the wool over their eyes. They know they're telling the truth. That's the one thing I found over the years is that uh, extension people, you know, when they tell a farmer something, the farmer believes it because it's true. They're not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. They're not trying to sell a product. If they say, you know, Clearfield Rice is the way to go, Clearfield Rice is the way to go. And they're not making a dime off this. This is purely pure science. We know that uh, this amount of fertilizer on a corn crop will work, and this amount won't. How do they know that? They've done the research daily. Uh, you know, and the researchers are out there in the fields, too. Every one of these extension offices around the state grows their own crops to do their own research, and they're out there picking cotton. They're out there shucking corn. Mm -hmm. They're harvesting wheat. They're harvesting rice, sugar cane. So it's not like they're just, you know, in an office reading a book and saying, here it is. They've done it. They know what it's like. They know what it's, what's happening in that cornfield in the middle of summer. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. Which leads me to this question, Dr. Lee. Yes, sir. Is it harder to educate the legislature into just how important agriculture and agriculture research is because it's a proven fact that the world's population is going to double very soon, which means we've got to have more food. And the only way to grow more food is to have it grown on a smaller space because we're losing farmland every day. How do you, how do you talk to somebody about that? Well, so we're about to do a big exercise in this over the next few months, I think, because we're in an election season right now. We expect a, a significant portion of our state legislature uh, to turn over and to have some new elected officials in place. And that's going to be an opportunity to exercise what we think we know about this and, and to uh, um, 
um, hopefully have some success on behalf of the agricultural community. So I believe with legislators, what resonates with them is they're in the field of public service because they want to work on behalf of their constituents. So making it clear to them the value of the agricultural enterprise to their local community and the value of it to their constituents is very important. Uh, in our case, we also need to um, get them to understand the value of the LSU Ag Center uh, and our activities in their local district through 4-H, through our agronomic educational activities, uh, and so forth. Um, <clears throat> and getting them to understand the core value of what we do as what is essentially an overarching community development project. Um, I think if we stick with that narrative, mm -hmm. um, it's going to work. And you know, Don, you just said something very important. You talked about the rapport that um, our agents have with rank and file citizens that, that they interact with. When I came into this position, it was just after the COVID pandemic. And in my lifetime, that experience did more to undermine the public's faith in science. Um, than anything I've ever seen in my life. But one of the first activities uh, that I engaged in when I came into this position was I went to the Rice Field Day. And I met a gentleman who came up to me and he said, sir, I've been a rice farmer for 40 years. Uh, he said, I'm just an old Cajun rice farmer, but I will tell you, I believe in science and you have to make sure you all keep this station doing its scientific activities because this is our lifeblood. And that made me really understand that there was a broader issue of public health out there that in some ways had compromised public belief in the value of science. But then the work that we do, where we work directly with our local agents at the local level with their neighbors and their fellow church members and their kids that are in school together, there's a level of trust there that um, is going to help us continue to be successful in our scientific endeavors, and it is going to help us socialize these local elected officials uh, into the value of what we're all doing as a community. Yeah, we're, we're running low on time here, but I wanted to bring this up because I think that that's part of the value of extension, because had that farmer not had that one-on-one -on -one camaraderie that's with right. the folks from the Rice Research Station, the H. Rouse Cafe Rice Research Station there in Crowley. Um, I don't know that he would have had that opinion. Do you? I mean, do you do you think that that's the value of extension? Why, what sets the LSU Ag Center apart it and why and sets it apart from, say, what's going on in the medical field? What's going on in criminology? That extension side. I, I absolutely think so. Um, I, it has really struck me how my agents uh, will tell us their phone starts ringing as soon as the sun comes up. Uh, because, you know, they want some, you know, one of their constituents wanders outside and sees a new weed popping out of the ground or the hogs got out to the southwest part of their field. And, you know, can they get some help out here? Um, it, those local level relationships are really they form a social fabric that is very strong and very durable and really, I think, is is characteristic of what in our minds we think of when we think of rural communities mm -hmm. and how they are bucolic and stable and um, uh, very, very desirable places to live and raise a family. And again, they go to church together. Uh, they're raising their children together. And uh, um, I think that that is kind of the secret sauce mm -hmm. that makes the agricultural extension enterprise so impactful 
and helps boost the um, quality of the work that goes on in the agricultural industry in Louisiana. One thing that the LSU Ag Center should be shouting from the rooftops every day is the fact that your researchers have come up with a bait to kill feral hogs yes. and feral hogs only. Yep. Now, this is something that people have been praying for for years and years and years because they do so much damage, but the research and the science at LSU broke that barrier. They sure did, and it is in <clears throat> the period of basically EPA evaluation and approval, so it's not on the market yet. Um, but we are optimistic that this is going to be a game changer for our industry. Within the state alone, our economists estimated last year that feral hogs did more than $90 million in damage to our crops. The, um, the damage nationwide is estimated to be in excess annually of $1 billion. We have got to get this problem under control. And uh, we're optimistic that um, if we can get EPA for approval for this and get it mass produced at scale and start giving yet another tool to our colleagues in the agricultural industry to help manage this terribly invasive species, that's just a, a creating havoc in our rural areas. Safe farmers a lot of money. Absolutely. And a heartache. Absolutely. Oh, and, it, and it needs to be a tool in the toolbox because it's not one thing that's going to be able to do. I mean, you got to take out about 70% of the population of feral hogs there just to keep the numbers status quo. That's right. You're not making a dent in it. So we've made a big dent in the time that we have here on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Don, I want to thank you for joining us. I you mean, are, it's been great. You know, you know, anytime I can talk to Matt Lee, it's a good day. <laughs> I I agree, and Matt and I didn't even get to discuss our musical tastes and uh, our our desire to make loud noises on six stringed instruments. So, That's right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe next time we'll get a chance to do that. But I want to say it's it's my privilege to get the chance to speak with both of you. Um, you know, the Farm Bureau uh, is a very very close and important partner of ours, um, as is the. Uh, Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. Uh, together, the Ag Center, the Farm Bureau, and LDAF are the three legs of the stool that work in concert uh, to help uh, shape the future of the agricultural industry in the state. And we're doing it for the good people of Louisiana at the local level. I would like to say a special thank you to Avery Davidson, Don Molino, and especially Dr. Matt Lee for joining us on the podcast. This happened right around the time of our Louisiana Farm Bureau board meeting. So it was a busy time for Dr. Lee to find some time for us. We really appreciate that. If you'd like to learn more about Louisiana 4-H, Louisiana FFA, LSU Ag Center, the College of Agriculture, there are so many places to learn about all the things that Dr. Matt Lee is involved with. You can learn about all of that and more at some links that we're going to put into the show notes. Also in the show notes, we'll have a link to become a member of Louisiana Farm Bureau that helps support the work that we do here in Baton Rouge and across the state supporting Louisiana farmers and ranchers and rural residents every day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We hope to see you again right here next week.